Modern smartphones are sleek and thin, but they're also fragile and expensive. If you're really careful, you may use it until you're ready to upgrade without shattering the glass. But if you look around, you'll see most phones wrapped in a case for protection. Our personal data is even more valuable than the device it's stored on, and it deserves just as much protection. The work that I do requires me to travel a lot, which means I'm frequently to connect, connected to unfamiliar networks. Nefarious hackers can make up to $1,000 selling the data of each of their victims on the dark web, and there are cheap hardware and software tools readily available that let even a smart middle schooler snatch your data without you even noticing. A virtual private network, or VPN, like ExpressVPN, creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the servers that you're transmitting data to and from. When you're, when you're sitting at the airport gate area, or airline lounge, or even your hotel room, those Wi-Fi networks aren't secure. Your bits are flying through the air, and whether you're checking your bank account balance, sending data to a client, or just checking your email, bad actors can snatch up your usernames, passwords, and everything else you send and receive if it's not encrypted. The layers of security used by ExpressVPN would take over a billion years to expose by bad guys with some of the most powerful supercomputers. ExpressVPN trusted server technology also runs each session in memory in a unique virtual space that is wiped clean as you end your session with none of your data ever written to a hard drive, so there's no residue for anyone to recover about what you were doing after the fact. ExpressVPN runs on almost all devices, including Windows, Mac, iOS, Linux, Android, streaming devices like Chromecast, Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV, and there's also a Chrome browser extension. It's super simple to use. Once you install ExpressVPN, it's one click to establish a secure encrypted tunnel with servers in 105 countries around the world. I've personally been paying for and using ExpressVPN for years on all of my personal devices. When I, started, when I first started using VPNs for work more than 20 years ago, they were often slow and unstable and had to be restarted frequently. But with ExpressVPN, data speeds are virtually unchanged from running fully exposed, so you can just turn the VPN on and leave it on. I often get materials from clients and companies that are, that are under embargo or NDA, and if it leaks out, I can get into some trouble. But even if I just wanted to reach back to my personal server to grab some files, check my email, or watch something that's only available on one of my streaming services at home while I'm out of the country, ExpressVPN lets me do it all securely. Your data is valuable. Don't let bad actors steal it and potentially misuse it. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash wheelbearings. And you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. Expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. And thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting wheelbearings. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this what? is the rock. Reunity on ice. Uh, <laughs> what kind of rock is that? Is that like a? Oh, I'm. You know what? The, I'm getting that gold circle on my yeti. That means that there's something wrong with it. So yeah. So the rock is actually built into the house. Like it's it it. Oh, actually the house can, is like built around it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. 
So like, see over there? It's literally like built around it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Anyway, I know. We have a guest. We have we have our first guest. We have two. Oh, we have, we have multiple. I like how the curtains are making my hand key out. That's fun with alpha channels. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, uh, friends. Hello. <sighs> Looks like our guest is still muted. So have you, have you seen the uh, the images of the new Audi A3? Yes. What the hell are they doing? It, no, it I looks haven't like, seen. It, it looks like they're doing it. a mini version of the e-tron GT. I mean, it's got that same kind of design language, the shaping of the, the fender bulges. The box flares look so dumb. <laughs> I think it might be a little much on a car the size of the, uh, the A3. It, it works great on the, uh, on the e-tron, but not so much on the GT, on the A3. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Corolla, you know, a small car with big car styling features, kind of doesn't. Like me, small car with big car styling features. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> uh, no, no reply necessary. <laughs> so what are you driving this week, Rebecca? Um, I have the, oh, I have the Mazda CX-5. Oh, okay. I, yeah, um, but I actually, last week I had the Lexus, everything got messed up, the Lexus GS350 sedan, yeah. which was lovely. Yeah. Did you come to terms with the um, touchpad Touch thing? Yeah. No. That, this, no, is no. The, this is the visual. <laughs> no. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, I have no. the uh, I have the new Sonata right now, and I'm getting the CX30 tomorrow. Oh, fun! Yeah. So you know, I've I've asked actually if I can have the Sonata again, and I know that's very obnoxious, but because um, I had it way back in January, but that's the car I had when Linus died, and I just oh. told him I was like, I said I have no idea what that car was like. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was, I remember the best thing was that the infotainment system actually worked really well. So mm -hmm. I could call the vet, you know, I could, you know, I, I got the text message came through saying he was sick that I called the vet. I mean, there was like, it was, it was great from that standpoint, but the rest of the week was such a fog that I, you know, I don't really remember it. If it's the same one. You can look under the seats and see if you like drop a couple of Xanax or anything. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then That's when a I saw experience. like, well, when I saw like the self parking, you know how we were talking earlier about, um, about the difference between uh, just getting the vehicle and going on the ride and drive. So I couldn't go on the launch. So I didn't even, and this is embarrassing. I don't even know about like the self parking feature. You know, like, I mean, I, I picked up the car at JFK, I drove home and my whole world fell apart. And I never even like, I just, I, you know, I drove it. I Barely. I, I shot some video with the, the smart park the other day out in the driveway. I pulled the, uh, pulled the Civic and, um, this, and uh, the Miata out, parked them nice and close, you know, just so there was just enough room for the Sonata. Yeah. And then backed it in and back, pulled it back out again. Nice. Worked great. Cool. That's awesome. It's, it's yeah. really easy to use. You just, on the, um, on the fob, 
you press the button, you know, you can press the button to remote start it. So it's gotta be running. So you start it, then there's one button to go forward, the other button to go back. And it, as long as you're holding the button, it moves. And as soon as you release the button, it stops. That's so awesome. it, it's pretty slow, but you know, it, it'd be nice. You know, it's nice for those times when you park somewhere and some jerk pulls in beside you and leaves you about three inches yeah. inside the car. And so yeah. you know there's no way you're getting that door open. Yep. And no problem. Just start it up and pull it right out. <clears throat> That's awesome. Hey, so we had somebody, but we lost, we have one person. We lost okay. the other person. Looks, looks like that person is still muted and camera off. So I don't know if they can hear us. Voyeurism um, is okay. That's yeah. fine. Oh, there's Watch another one. Um, the problem I had with the, uh, the Sonata, well, it's not really the problem with the Sonata. It's the, the, the Smart Park ad. Uh, Hi there. Hey there. Um, <laughs> Robbie, how are hello. you? Hey, how are you guys doing? Sorry. Oh, look at that. We got friends showing up. Yeah, <laughs> this is my friend, Robbie. <laughs> well, Robbie actually used to work at Hyundai. Sorry, That's where we met. Late. I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, no. I was just, I was just saying that that Smart Park ad with the, the Boston accents and stuff, like, there's no place around Boston that you can pull in like that. Like, That's true. You know, you, you, you got to be in like Needham or like <laughs> Wellesley before you can they park like shown that. If it parallel parks, that would have been better. <laughs> Yeah, well, it does too, doesn't it? Doesn't don't they have like? There's a lot of cars that have the parallel park. Uh, oh yeah, and actually, the the thing is, this one doesn't actually do that. <laughs> it, it does. It doesn't have. Oh, you know, that's the active, really funny. It doesn't have the parallel parking or perpendicular parking. It only has the the pull in pull out from a parking space. Oh, that's, that's really funny. That kind of sucks, yeah. actually. Yeah. You're talking about Sonata. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The new yes, Sonata. Sonata got one right now. The, the parking feature with the wrong spelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, is the, that is the proper spelling. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they're having some problems with it. Apparently there's some recall or something. I saw yeah, that there's for some software, some software issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just rushed it out too fast. But hey, I think I'm told it's the most popular feature on JD Power's new appeal uh, data, uh, this thing. Wow. So it has been one of the most spoken about features in the four months it's been on the market so wow well that yeah, commercial well, I, was brilliant was, just you before know. you joined i was saying you know i i was filming some video with it the other day and uh tested it out in my driveway mm -hmm. you know put our two cars out on either side of it and trying it out it worked great you know so i mean the, yeah. the system works and i've seen it i've seen it work before on the uh, the nexo when i went on the nexo drive mm -hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago mm -hmm. and it worked great mm -hmm. there as well so yeah, it's proximity sensor without a driver in it, right? So it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool feature. I'm glad they brought it out. I think they are the only guys who have it, by the way. Um, Henry has it. Or, they, or actually, BMW has had basically the same feature available on a number of models in Europe, in the European market only, not over here, for about six or seven years now. Yeah. Um, they, they are just now starting to launch it in North America. They've never offered it here before. Who's the supplier for that? So that's something that they're they're buying, right? It's not like something they develop in house. Um, no, I think I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if they do it in house or not. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty easy uh, if you have an electronic shift. Um, you know, basically the car because the car doesn't turn at all; it just goes straight in and out. <laughs> um, yeah, which is fine. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're in, if you're stuck in a narrow parking space and you can't get, the, get in and get the doors open, you know, to pull it out of that parking space, it's great for that. 
Um, and Tesla has had it for a while. It's the, the original version of their summon feature, you know, mm -hmm. to pull it out of a narrow garage. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, it works fine. You know, it's not, it's not that hard to do. Listen, summon, you can, you can summon your car from across the country is what you're supposed well, to Well, no, that's, that's smart summon, <laughs> which smart. is actually dumb summon. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, so good to see you, Rebecca. Good to see you guys. Congratulations on this nice, uh, sh nice show. I love this. It's really cool. Hopefully Thanks. you guys are all staying safe. I'm calling you from sunny Southern California. Oh, Bobby, you're killing <laughs> yeah, me. Well, it it was actually snowing here again this afternoon. <gasps> Did it really? It was, it was 34 degrees this morning when I woke up. 34, yeah. that's not right. It's so you're in Boston, Sam is in Michigan? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm just outside of Ann Arbor. I'm, I'm about, uh, about three, three, four miles from Hatchie. Hey, oh, nice. I, Michigan is my, my favorite hometown, I'm telling you. I used to live in Michigan, Ann Arbor for 15 years. And oh, yeah? that's why I came here. So I have a lot of good friends and have very, very fond memories of Michigan. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I, was tell, I was telling Dan earlier today, I think, I think that we've actually gone, I think, or I think it was, maybe it was you, Dan. I think we actually just skipped straight from, um, from March to November because uh, it, <laughs> feel, it feels like November, it feels yeah. like this April has been colder than, than March and February were. It's been, yeah, yeah I, well, and working from home, you get very intimately familiar with all the drafts in your house. <laughs> so, luckily, are, you also from, are you also from Michigan, Dan? No, I'm outside of Boston. Uh, oh, no. So we're, we're a very East Coast heavy podcast, apparently. I know. Uh, just, just me and, and Rebecca um, out here in New England. So I love uh, your guys' backgrounds. That's fantastic. Uh, it's Felix Wankel. Oh, yeah, I know that was cool. So mine's actually real. So mine's actually the rock that's in my house. You live with the rock? Yeah. See, so it's part. It's part of the house. He towers over her. Yeah, just, but when he it's, makes dinner, though, you can. It's built into because I was on a I was on a call um, last week and people thought it was a backdrop. I'm like, no, it's like it's the house. <laughs> like you can touch it. Yeah. All right. Mine, mine is mine is okay. semi-real. That's actually that's an actual photograph of the wall of my office upstairs, but it's on a green screen behind me because I have my my camera and my lights and everything set up. Sam definitely the has the fanciest setup of all of us. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. I just I rock though. I like that rock. It's incredible. <laughs> Isn't it cool? It is. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's, so my office is at the entrance of my house. So you walk in and then there's a little entryway and mm -hmm. then you come into the office and then you go upstairs for the main living space, which is such a great and unique design in a house from 1957. But I tell people like, if, you know, so I show them the office first, if they don't understand the rock, they're not allowed to come upstairs. Like you don't, you don't <laughs> understand the house. <laughs> you can just leave, just turn around and leave. You have to really do. It's just you need a Jeep on top of it. Right. You, I, well, you know, every plumber and electrician wants to light it up or make water come from it. <laughs> I'm like, let's just let it let it sit there for a bit. It's been good for 60 years. <laughs> so uh, we, we have a couple more people who joined. What's up, fellas? Uh, I think, uh... So not much. Uh, really, I thought this was going to be, uh, we were gonna, just going to watch you guys do oh, your yeah. podcast. Oh. I didn't understand it was going to be so participatory. 
It doesn't um, have to be. We have some topics we can talk about um, if if we wanted to do that. And if you guys want to, can in. I just a shout out to Mr. Weichel out there? I have a Mazda RX8. <laughs> Yeah, our state, sorry, 95,000 miles, uh, almost 10 years. Nice. So it's been a great car. They're fun. Yeah, that was one of my favorite press cars. I had the, the RX-8 R3 uh, a couple of times, which is a good time. Yeah, I had one of those once as well. Um, speaking of, I've, I've always been a fan of rotaries. I, I always loved the concept of it, you know, having this tiny little engine that makes so much power. Back when I was in college, I, I went to what was then GMI. It's now known as Kettering University. And in the uh, the engine design lab, uh, there was a storage room in the back. You had a bunch of stuff, you know, sitting on racks there. And uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, engines that was sitting on a rack back there was an old GM um, prototype Wankel, uh, one of the ones that they were developing from the early the, 1970s. The mythical, Wankel. like, Four rotor, two or, or you said two rotor. This this was a two rotor, but yeah, they were developing a four rotor as well. That was uh, like the, the right. It was gonna be the Corvette engine, like the XP eight eighty seven or whatever. Yep, and this 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 was a two rotor, but and we, me and a couple other guys dabbled with the idea of doing an independent study one term, and actually trying to get it get it on a dyno and see if we could get the thing running again. But we could never get our act together to actually do it. Neither could GM, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Kristen. Hi, Kristen. I have hey, friends yeah. joining. Well, I guess Sam's friends with her too, but she's my yeah. friend most. <laughs> I couldn't wait to hear you. How are you? Good. I'm excited to hear what you guys say. You have some of the smartest people I know in the industry. Listen, that's you need to expand not your horizons. Flatter will get you nowhere. You need to look, you need to meet more people, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. um well hey you know this uh it, it seems like we should probably just hit the hit the topics we we're talking about we we're talking about some of the cars sam you, you said you have the um the sonata i still have the venue i put more miles on it but um yeah still uh I love that thing i love that venue you know the interior is a little crappy you know what? It's interesting but, because and you think, still owe but, me that video, Dan. So I talked to Jake, my nephew, Jake, who's 25, who lives with me, and he absolutely loves it. I mean, he, he is, you know, he's one of those, like one of his first cars was a BMW and he's used to having some luxury and the whole thing. But he said, or, ordinarily, he would absolutely demand to have leather, but he thought that denim interior was really cool. And he is the target market for it. Oh, see, I didn't have a den. I don't have the denim interior. It's oh, what do you a, have? Uh, it's just you know regular Hyundai upholstery. <laughs> oh. Well, it's it's the denim. It's, it's called the denim trim. It's not. Yeah, and it has that. It comes in that blue color too, right? Yes, so, yeah. exactly. So this one is uh, red. So I forget what trim level oh, it is. Oh, okay. But uh, does it have a sunroof? It does, I think. Okay, because the the denim does not have a sunroof, and right, you can't get it, it with right. a with a sunroof. Um. The rest of it, it, like it's it's a good car. It's just uh, when you start to look at materials and, and stuff, it's a little hard plastics here and there. And it's a yeah, but you got to think of it in, in context of the price point, though. Exactly. I mean, com compare it to the Nissan Kicks. You know, it's yeah, it's at least as good as the Kicks. Okay. And it's, it's not bad. Better. Don't get me wrong. It's 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 like it's fine to drive. It's a little underpowered. We talked about that last week. Um, yeah. Or it's not not exactly underpowered. It's just not powerful <laughs> it's fine for what it is sometimes you have to plan but the coming out of the um 
the Yaris. I keep wanting to say Mazda too, but coming out of the Yaris, it, it felt more powerful than that. So um, it's, it's okay. And since we're not doing much highway lately, uh, or the highways aren't all that crowded, it's, it's fine. But um, it, it, the transmission still does weird stuff too. Like even without a headwind, uh, when I was driving it the other day, I noticed like, all of a sudden it'll just rev up to like 3,500. No real reason, just, I, I don't know. Which vehicle did I have that when I put it on the, on cruise, it did that? It might have been the. I remember you talking about something that did that. I thought it was the venue. It may have been. It was the most bizarre thing when I had it. I put it on. I had it on uh, adaptive cruise, and it would just ring. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you doing?" Like I had to take it off, and it did it like three times. It was so weird, and it was on the slightest, slightest, slightest gradations. Like, I mean, it wasn't like the Merritt Parkway goes up, up and down like this. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like that. It was, it was like a very moderate grade, and it strained as if I was asking it to climb Everest. It was, and that, <laughs> but it was only on the adaptive cruise control. In any other condition, it was totally fine. It was just when I had that on, and it was really bizarre. And maybe the maybe the radar sensor was consuming too much power from the engine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Cancer <laughs> had to go out. No, but, you it, know, I wasn't even aware that I was on an incline until I really started to pay attention because I thought this is so strange. Something is going on here that's not I haven't experienced in any other vehicle. And and this is this is this is the, the uh, this is the road to grandma's house. This is this is the my the you know the road that I take to my mom's house. And there's two different ways I can go. One is 95, and one is the Parkway. parkway. It doesn't matter. It still was just really aggressive on that ACC. It was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure what, what's up with it, but it like it's fine otherwise, and it's it's pretty right. well isolated from the engine, so it doesn't doesn't really bother me. The most interesting thing was that. Um, so the family heirloom Crown Victoria uh, <laughs> remains in the family, but it went down to my brother. And so um, I'm using that opportunity to, to car shop uh, just because we-, we Nice, Kristen. Hey, yeah, the like Kristen in the background's awesome. <laughs> I gotta learn how to do this. <laughs> um, it's under preferences on the Mac. Uh, oh, so oh, okay, go to thank Zoom you. US and then you go under preferences and you should be able to load okay. it. Well, if you, if you click the arrow button next to the stop video, uh, you can choose virtual background. Oh, neat. The rock, but the rock still is awesome. I know, right? Yeah, I know, I like the rock. <laughs> Send you a picture of the no, rock. No, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, in my car shop, I set some parameters for car shopping. Uh, it's like, don't want an SUV um, or a crossover because uh, I, I know what they are. They're, they're fine. Uh, just trying to be a little bit more interesting. I didn't want anything too old. Uh, you just wanted something a little cushy, a little quirky. So I, I wound up deciding that uh, a Mercedes E-Class wagon is the thing. So I- Did you get it? I went and drove it. Uh, so there's a very nice locally, a very nice uh, E350 formatic. It's gorgeous. Ride. It's it's beautiful and it drove really nice, um, and it's it's priced well. Uh, so I went down to drive that, and then like I I jumped into the venue after that, 
and I was like, you know, this thing's not really all that bad. It's pretty <laughs> good for, you know, a car that, and it's funny too, like price-wise, the used Benz and the brand new venue weren't that far apart. Um, completely different things, but uh, yeah, the, the venue is pretty well done. The They managed to figure out how to tune suspensions over at Hyundai and Kia, which has been the biggest issue. Mm. And they've, they've figured out how to do some compliance and, and some uh, just, some suppleness to the damping and stuff. We can, that, we can thank Albert Bierman for that. Yeah, idea. I was going to say the Germans they've hired are doing well. <laughs> well, you know, I think if we think about Hyundai and Kia overall, what they've accomplished in the last few years is really remarkable because I just, I had reviewed the Toyota Highlander and looking at that Highlander, and then I also had the Subaru Ascent. But, you know, when you drive the Highlander, it's good. It's a really good product, but it's not evolutionary or revolutionary like when you think about the Kia Telluride or the Hyundai Palisade, which just, I think, are still, I think they're, in my mind, they're class leading. I mean, for the, not just for the price, but for the value that you get overall. They're I just, going I for think, market share. They're, they're, I, just, I think they're hard you. to beat. I mean, Toyota, you know, you're going to resale value may be the one benefit but if you're going to keep this car until it dies then you know resale value isn't as relevant and don't get an 84 month lease loan on it but yeah. that's another topic <laughs> well I, you know i i'm still a huge fan of the mazda 6 but at this point you know there's very little about the the new sonata that would make me classify it as anything but the the top of the segment right now mm. you know I, really it's yeah, I mean, the the you know, like an Accord. Is, oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, the the one the one advantage the the Accord has, you know, you can get it <clears throat> with more power. Uh, you know, with the with the two liter turbo. Um, you know, so the, the Accord's available with more power, um, and you know, if you want, you can still get it with a manual transmission with a six speed right. manual, which you can't get in the Sonata anymore. But I think for most people right now, you know, most people aren't most Americans especially are not buying manual transmissions. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the Sonata looks great. The interior is fantastic. You know, and I think it's, it, you know, at least, you know, on the one that I'm driving this limited, which is, you know, the loaded version, you know, it's like a little shy of $35,000. It's about 34, five. Um, you know, it's got, you know, all, all these features on it. It's got the panoramic glass, uh, moonroof, sunroof, you know, so you've got, you know, basically a full, you know, full glass roof in this thing. Um, and, you know, it's the, the only, th is the only thing that I would like to have is a non-touchscreen infotainment system. Hey, but hey, 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 hey. Other, otherwise, you know, I mean, the, the infotainment system that's there works really well. Somebody you know, told screen, me that we need to lay yeah. off the touchscreen talk. That's yeah. what I've heard. The, you know the um, the interface is is fantastic. You know the the way it looks, the materials, the fit and finish is is all so good. You know it's hard to really fault pretty much anything on this car. It does. Yeah, no, it's true. Hey, it, so I want to ask the audience a little bit. What are you guys hearing about the industry? What are some of your thoughts as we go through this really crazy time? Have you guys been talking to people, interviewing? What are, I mean, not not like for jobs, but like just talking to different people in the industry. <laughs> I'd be interested in who's hiring. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but Robbie, why don't we start with you? What have you been up to? 
We have been. So I run a weekly uh, forum called Automobility Forum here in Southern California. I started the week after COVID. It was a breakfast that we used to have. And so we are, I, I think there are two. Automotive industry is in a very, very unique position. So wait, is uh, this online? Like can people join? Yes, yes, it's online. Oh. Let's go meet up and say Ravi and Zoom okay. and you Zoom bomb me, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to have you over. We have had these conversations. I have a whole presentation on economy and stuff like that. I think it's very interesting. That's um, fantastic. Because I think there are three forces, automotive industry of all the industries from standpoint, I think there are three forces that are disrupting it, not one force, right? We already, January, February, we had this force called Tesla and mobility disrupting it, computerization and mobility. COVID came along and within a week, gas prices came along, right? right? And I think when you see these three forces, I think they are going to tear apart the strategy that you would have had. And it reminds me, you know, somebody said, Rebecca, is, uh, Rebecca these charts when we were at Hyundai, and she had this thing that tracked gas prices and the size of cars that you would buy, right? right? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I, you know, it is so fresh in my mind, right? I did that so That's much. That's from like 12 it's years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is, right? Now, I'm trying to overlay that with electrification because low gas prices, $2.45 at Costco in, in Irvine, okay? So premium, right? Right, and you would say build big, build a body on frame, truck a hunk of junk, right? But everybody is into CUV. So I think now you're looking at this product mix, which is gonna be very different and add on those three forces of so mobility. Sorry, I just two minutes of my spiel. No, no, you're good. Add on that, the de-Uberization of a career. Uber is dead, okay? People who are Uber drivers are dead. We did a dealer survey and dealers are getting back more Uber returns than anything else. But do you Uber, think that Uber as a, a logistics platform uh, may uh, have a future? So, so the dealer, so the, uh, logistics, yeah, I'm just going, I'm talking about Uber drivers, right? Right, right. And what we have called about 20, we have been calling 20 dealers on a regular basis, they are getting back over the first few weeks more Uber release returns or car buy returns than anything else, right? So everybody looking for a pickup or a box that they can do logistics with, right? They're going away from car ride hailing to logistics. So four forces that are gonna take apart this industry. And uh, that's what I'm monitoring and that's what forms megatrends and that's what if you know, so so that's what I'm advising on, and that's what well, you know. What's interesting that you mentioned that you know because just yesterday GM announced that they're shutting down Maven, yeah, uh, yeah. including the Maven Gig program. Mm -hmm. They're you know so um, they're you know they already scaled back a bunch of the stuff last year, and now they're shutting the whole thing down completely. I had a nasty note on Twitter on that. I I on LinkedIn somebody said, oh you know I was praising it, and I said what a bunch of dummies at GM, right? Sorry, no GM guys here. You know, I'm going to unedit myself. I think it's the most stupid decision, right? Because I think they could have spun it out and done something good with it instead of shrinking and shutting stuff down. Well, you know, I think, you know, Maven, Maven was an interesting experiment for GM. You know, it was a, you know, kind of a business incubator for trying out different models, you know, like the traditional car sharing, you know, return to, return to 
based car sharing, you know, round trip car sharing, peer to peer stuff, the short term rentals with Maven Gig. Um, and, you know, I think that they were, they were trying to find a, an operational model that could actually work. And I think what they learned over the last several years is the same thing that Zipcar <laughs> and Car2Go and ReachNow and everybody else has learned is that there's, there's no business here. No, nobody's making money at this stuff. Nobody has figured out how to make money at it. Right. You know, for a while, it seemed like they were probably going to use the Maven brand for their autonomous ride hailing. Uh, but then, you know, they decided to stick with Cruise for that. Um, so, you know, it, th at this point, you know, given, given that they need to, you know, everybody needs to conserve cash, you know, if there's no real prospect for ever making a viable business out of it, you got to turn it off. You got to shut it down. So, yeah, I, uh, Sam, all due respect, I, I actually, that is the reason why Hyundai succeeds. I worked at Ford for 15 years. And I then was at Hyundai for 10, and I ran their corporate strategy and planning group. I think you need to come out of this, instead of shutting your doors, figuring out avenues to make something work. I think they could have spun out Maven into an independent group. Instead of saying, we are shutting it down and closing it down, this is strategy, right? You, could, you have a pool of people, very, very talented people with the technology, might not be perfect, Instead of just letting them go away and saying we are canning this program, if you had Samsung does this on a very, 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 very good scale, they take these technologies and then they spin it out. And what happens, that little group of people who are Mavenites, you know, they try to make something out of it and it's not shutting the doors on a corporation, you know, on a new idea or a new opportunity. But do you think uh, so, that, I mean, now I feel like... Uh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, and likewise, I feel like right now, ca cash is absolutely king and conserving. And I think maybe if they had done that when Dan Ammon took over and maybe had spun it off, you know, what was that, a year or so ago, they would be in a better position. But I think right now they've got to look at everything that's bleeding cash. And it's you know, as, as you guys have said, it's, it's bleeding cash. And so I feel like that ship may have sailed and that opportunity to spin it off. I don't, I don't know that they could have waited. I think they needed to, to just, uh, you know, everything that it seems like everything that's sort of in this fledgling kind of, you know, growing, but not profitable mode is being looked at right now, you know, with incredible scrutiny, even, even by companies that are, are, you know, were doing well a month ago. I just, I think that every, everything, you know, I, I know of some things that are, that haven't been announced yet that are being closed down, um, websites and stuff, and everybody's cutting back and, you know, they're, everyone's kind of trying to get through, but I, I just, I think that any of these kind of, you know, fledgling little projects are just ripe for cutting right now, unfortunately. It, it might also, be better for them on a strictly bookkeeping tax basis to just call it a loss and get rid of it versus soldier on uh, as much as they'd want to. Um, I don't have a picture into GM corporate finances. So it's kind of like the Pentagon black budget, but <laughs> uh, who knows? Well, you know, I think that, you know, because they have Cruise, I think that they're figuring that, that Cruise is going to be their path forward. 
you know, rather than Maven. So I think I think they had all, I think they had already largely decided some time ago, you know, when they opted <laughs> uh, when when they opted to do you know cru the cruise brand as their autonomous ride hailing service that you know that was the brand they wanted to move forward with and you know I think the cruise is going to do more than just ride hailing as well. I mean they're going to do goods delivery and other stuff. So um, you know I think rather than spin off a brand for which there's no real demand, no, no market for it. You know, they, they probably figured it better to cut their losses right now on that and put their focus on the brand that they think is actually going to work. Yeah. Hey, so Will, hi, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm curious what's going on with you. <laughs> oh, wait, are you on mute? I can't hear Will. Can you guys hear should Will? Be, should be unmuted. Uh, also not hear Will. No. Can you hear Doug though? Doug's cooking. Yeah, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug. I'm not cooking. All right. Well, we'll have to come back to you. Kristen, what's going on with you? Um, one of my clients I've been working with is an online auction company for dealerships. Mm. Oh, so I've been kind of immersed on the dealer side. And what they're saying is, you know, they know that there's a lot of dealers who aren't going to make it through this thing. And, and in some cases, that's not a bad thing. Mm. You know, there's probably some dealers that the manufacturers will, will be glad that they're shutting down. <laughs> well, dealers and manufacturers have that real, you know, butting heads sort of uh, relationship already. Um, yeah, yeah. So I had a lot about procedures and processes and what they're going to be go going to do forward. And nobody really knows. Yeah. I had a uh, an interesting sort of little, little Twitter chat with um, someone who works sort of in the dealer retail side. Um, and, you know, his take was consumers aren't necessarily going to save the business. What's our interview with um, Jim Farley from Ford was was uh, really interesting to him because uh, Farley was talking about sort of pivoting to owning the commercial space and how that could actually be the way that Ford remains viable especially now as the consumer business has dried up the, the commercial business is probably going to come back first and uh be willing to invest uh in in new vehicles uh versus consumers that even when things sort of the pressure comes off there's going to be a, a really longer lead up once we get our our outstanding bills sort of in order before we can buy a car yeah, I mean, people are, are much more dependent now on deliveries than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. you know, and there's that, I think that commercial sector is where you're really going to see um, growth start to happen first, you know, long before the, the, the consumer sector. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, <laughs> Ford, for, for, you know, probably inadvertently, you know, kind of stumbled into being in the right position you know, when they called most of their car programs over the last couple of years and really focused more on the, the utility and truck sector and especially the commercial sector. It was all the plan. <laughs> <laughs> they, they knew all this was going all along. <laughs> exactly. No, but the auction houses are really interesting. That came up in a, um, an interview I did yesterday for a newspaper online site. Uh, and it's a, it's a part that honestly I hadn't really thought about very much, but we were talking about, is this, is it a good time to buy a car now or in a couple yes. of months? 
but I think it's, I mean, my advice was now because inventory, you know, we're not going to be getting, dealers are not going to be getting inventory from anywhere for a couple of months. I mean, they, what they have on the lot is what they have on the lot. You know, obviously they can still trade and stuff, but I don't know. I, I, I would like your thoughts on, you know, the collective hive of, do you think now is a good time to buy a car for people or do you think it'll be in a few months? I think it's a good somewhere, time. Didn't I hear somewhere that Hyundai's like their port is now full? They just filled up their port full of cars and, you know, so now they're all sitting in the port waiting to be sent out yeah, to yeah. retail. Yeah, and they are need, they, they need to transport cars? them now. Are they, are they, are, I mean, and by shipping, I mean taking them off the boat and able to put them on car carriers? They're, they're yeah, taking they're them off the boat. The port. Yeah. But they're not putting them on carriers yet. They're not putting them on carriers. No, okay. they're backed up. They're backed up at the port. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, though, because at least there's inventory on, on the shores and then, and I'm sure they know what's there. And so you can maybe be able to disperse that faster than, you know, in, than waiting for the plants to start running again. But again, that's going to be lim a, a limited number of vehicles and a, a limited type of vehicles, too. They produce some of the most popular ones here. So that's another challenge then. Do they do they produce their SUVs here? Okay. The the Hyundai the um, uh, yeah the Palisade and the uh, um, Telluride are produced in Korea. They're not produced. Oh, here. yeah. Okay. The rest of them are produced here, but the Santa Fe is produced definitely produced. The, the, here. the Santa Fe and the Sorrento are produced uh, in the U.S. I thought the Telluride and uh, the Palisades are done in Georgia. No. Tell you rides in Georgia, isn't it? The West Point. They're all built in Georgia. The, the Palisades definitely built in Korea. It's built in Ulsan. I, okay. I wasn't I wasn't sure about the uh, the Tell You Ride. I thought it was also coming from Ulsan. We'll have to check it out. But, we'll confirm. Yeah. To the Googles. Will are it's you at there? West Point? Yeah, I'm here now. Can you hear me? Oh, oh we can well. hear you. <laughs> Yeah, apparently, I'm, I'm fine. Apparently that uh, all the things I did to my computer last weekend has been bringing up more problems than I thought. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah. you're making me look good because that's usually my issue. So thank you. <laughs> you you're welcome. <laughs> so what's going on in your world? Uh, I mean, I could speak to this from like two different perspectives. Like for my day job where I work as a, a specs researcher, I mean, we're still getting in like a lot of like you know, various documentation from like various automakers and stuff, but it's like, we're also kind of starting to see like a, a little bit of a slowdown and stuff. Like we recently just got stuff in for like the new uh, GM full-size SUVs and stuff. And it's like the way, like, for example, like GM does it, we only get like certain bits of information one month and then we'll get the next batch another month. And well, with COVID-19 going around, it's like, well, it's going to be a while before we get everything. Hmm. Um, and you're kind of you're kind of also seeing like a slowdown of stuff as well because it's like we have a lot of clients from like both OEMs and also dealers, you know, that are like, hey, do you happen to have information on this model or that model? And it's like, um, can we get back to you on that? Because <laughs> um, we don't know what, what's going on either. Um, so it's it's just really interesting to see like how much of an effect is having, like, I think, Sam, you talked about this last week, you know, when you answered my question, which I was really surprised by, um, just 
to see like this big slowdown of stuff and it's just like you know how long is this going to be and how much is this going to screw up everything and forever <laughs> well it, well that's a very pessimistic view dan but i agree well, i mean uh, come on you would expect nothing the less. source <laughs> No. Managing everybody's expectations, right? When it turns out, considering okay, I've been listening to Dan for about uh, about a billion years, according to our current time frame, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's going to be uh, a big change. Well, if it if it makes you feel any better, back in my previous life when I spent time working in uh, in PR um, at uh, at Ford and putting together press kits. Um, it was just as hard to get specs when you were on the inside as it is when you're on the outside. It, no, I, I would believe that because we'll reach out to some of our contacts and be like, hey, do you happen to have this or that? It's like, um, no. <laughs> do you know when? No. Eventually. Um, eventually. Okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, what, do we, well, that, what do we tell the client? Um, <laughs> that's one of the things that as an automotive writer you find too is uh, people think that we have the inside line to all of the information. Like, hey, when's the so-and-so coming out? Like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's funny because I mean, I you know, I'm coming from this you know, I, this job from being a, a writer. I mean, I, I still am, just pseudoly. Um, and it's just funny to me because everybody's like, hey, do you know when X model's coming out? No. Right. What, Let me why, check why, the why media. Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. You're in the same boat like I am. I, yeah. I, okay, sure. I can tell. I know what the prices are, but I can't tell you that. So, <laughs> uh, well, everybody's launch now is all screwed up too. I saw some stuff is going back to to uh, 2021 and and stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time, for sure. Uh, once car sales sort of start again, although they're very happy to to try to get you to sell a car. They like that that Mercedes. They really want it. They want me to put a deposit down. Any, any revenue they can yeah. get right now. Yeah. Absolutely. So this was one of the things too that I was talking to somebody yesterday about was, will this be the death of dealers as we know it today? But I don't, I mean, I don't see that happening. First of all, there's all sorts of you know, regulations and dealer franchise laws and everything. But I do think that the dealers that are best set up for e-commerce will have an advantage because I think people are more comfortable now with the idea of, you know, if you weren't getting your groceries delivered before, a lot of people are or at least trying to. And I think that people are more comfortable with the idea of doing a transaction on, on Zoom, on, you know, looking at cars. Obviously, you still want to test drive it, but there's ways to do that. They can drop off the car for you for overnight, you know, which, of course, a number of manufacturers, I think GM had done that in the past anyway. But I think that though this could finally be the impetus for those laggards to get on board with doing with with doing a a, a dealer website that's much more e-commerce friendly is my in, in my thought and I'd love to get your take on that whomever. <laughs> oh, so, no. so you should, actually you guys should actually listen to Brian Benstock. He's on LinkedIn. He has a daily article. He's an Acura partner at an Acura series of family of dealerships. And he's way ahead of this, right? Mm -hmm. So Brian Benstock, look him up. He's a great okay. talker, speaker too. Uh, and he actually, for Honda Acura, he has a bunch of Honda Acura dealerships, saw this shift to mobility, did a whole bunch of things online, increased dealer revenue tremendously compared to the rest. He did all these experiments 
of adapting e-commerce. I 100% agree with what you're saying. And then presented it to Acura and Honda, apparently, and they put a kibosh on it. Why? So it, doesn't, it doesn't meet their franchise law requirements, right? And he is, you should have, he was at CES talking about it. And uh, I met with him after that. And he said, he was so furious, right? Because he said, this does not make sense, right? And uh, anyway, but I fully, if you're not on e-commerce platform, you just, you just aren't there. They have to, I mean, dealers are completely, it's a different environment. They can't get people in unless you have appointments right now. And right. it's well, very the the franchise laws are really going to be the sticking point because many of those are over 100 years old and mm -hmm. they were written at a time when the 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 business wasn't worth that much so they they were written at a time when they were trying to you know just give stuff away so right. the dealers have a lot of things written into the franchise laws that sort of solidify or really at this point like ossify their business mm -hmm. as it as it was through the entire 20th century but now like i think most people really don't want to go to a dealer until you're ready to like drive it or buy it and uh you're browsing online and any dealer who can make that a good experience uh will will win and, and then you roll things like uh i expect services like carvana to to do better if they can survive <laughs> uh yeah, but right. that's a really interesting model right like you don't have to do anything you you pick it online they bring it to your house you can you can try it out you can decide to finish the purchase right there like i that's we buy everything else that way. Why? Why would we not buy? A, and I suppose it's. it's well, a large I mean, you know, thing. the car, car is your second biggest purchase after your house. Yeah. Have and, you seen you the know, way people buy houses? And some handbags. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh, handbags! Yes. I'm, that's true. A closet, yes, oh, right. LVMH. Uh, <laughs> In Michigan, I know they they allowed electronic. They allowed online buying right now, right? Michigan is one yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Michigan, um, they're they're allowing online uh, transactions with dealers. It's still you know with with the franchise dealers uh, rather than direct from the factory. But yeah, so they they are allowing that right now because the the dealerships themselves. Um, the stores are closed. Uh, the, the service departments are allowed to stay open, but the store, the retail side is, is closed, but they're doing these online transactions. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's been a whole lot of traffic so far, mainly because I think right now, um, you know, most people just, you know, with all the uncertainty, people just aren't <laughs> willing to, you know, commit to something if they don't absolutely need a vehicle yeah. right now. Well, that's, that's what's holding me back is just, you know, like, it's even with a used car, right? It's like, well, we, we need a car and we, it's not actually that expensive. It's, it's under 20 grand, but it's just like, I don't need to spend that right now. I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'll just so here, here's on. another scenario that I ran into yesterday was a very busy day. So really? one of my girlfriends, <laughs> you haven't I, even told us what you're driving. What, that's the, that's the fun part, Dan. I mean, what, what, what are you driving, Rebecca? Tell, tell us your story, but what are you driving to? Oh, well, I had last week I had the Lexus GS350 and this week I have the Mazda CX-5. Okay. CX-5 is all right. Yes, it's, it's fine. But so let me just tell you the story real Sorry. quickly because I, I would appreciate feedback too because we don't normally get feedback. We talk into a wall. So, so my friend's lease on her Audi Q7 is up to, uh, was that actually up in March and the car that she specially ordered is at the dealership it's waiting there for her but they are not sure about her husband's job 
So should they do the six month extension that Audi is offering or do they swap the car now? And we sort of ran through a couple of scenarios because on the one hand, my first instinct is to tell her, wait, you know, like you said, Dan, like, don't, you know, if you don't need to have a major expenditure, don't have one. Right. But I, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, you're going to have a lease payment anyway. And if she gets the car now, if she does the swap now, provided their lease payment's not changing dramatically anyway, there, it's one less unknown. You, because who knows what that dealer lot is going to look like in six months? Sure. We don't know. Well, ex- except that, you know, if you take the six month extension, you know, if, you, if you do the, you know, the new car now, now you're locked into that lease for three years. Whereas if you do the extension, okay, six months, you know, if, if, if her husband loses his job, you know, two or three months from now, you're going to find a way to make it through those, the rest, you know, the rest of that six months, but it's only six months as opposed to another three years. How does it yeah. work with a lease too? Um, like, so with a, with a loan, you could probably defer, you could talk to your lender and probably defer if you, you run into an employment issue. But with a lease, what happens there? Do you, can, can you defer? The, the lease is screwed. You're really in a mess. Yeah, you can swap very, very a lease. I mean, when I it. wanted to dump my X5, I did swap a lease and it was snapped up immediately. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so, so you could use the third party Within a week. to pick up your lease. Right, but that's, yeah. you know, I mean, that's probably not going to be the situation today. You know, I mean, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of people who are going to want to take over your lease payment at, the, at this right now, at this point right. in time. Well, no, not right now, but as you say, like it, yeah. you know, in, six in general, months, yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my concern for her was we don't know what that, what the inventory is going to look like in six months. You know, we don't know what, where cars are going to be or when she would be able to get the car that she wants. I totally understand your point of view, Sam. I think that's really valid. Uh, but these, but these are, you know, these are questions that people are wrestling with all the time and it's difficult yeah well you know i mean worst case you know even if inventory you know six months from now inventory on you know new dealer lots is very thin you know if you need a vehicle you're going to be able to find something you know to carry you through temporarily until you know inventory you know stocks get rebuilt um so i mean it's not like it's not the end of the world if you can't find the exact car you want you know you don't know my friend but okay (laughs) (laughs) so she's special ordered an audi what what is is this uh give us the details Uh, what do you mean i want like what did she say what's so special special oh it it was black with the brown interior that's nice and she couldn't remember all of the specs on it but she lives in wayland wayland mass yes yeah, so it's sitting at Herb Chambers. Yes, yeah, something yeah. like that, probably. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that's a very Wayland car. That's it's that's a very cool. Wayland car. <laughs> you know, before I was in, into like before I decided that the the E class wagon was the thing that I wanted, uh, I was I, I really quite like the um, the the A four as well, but the uh, it's the all road. Yeah, but it's just it's a little small for a family car because it's based on. So are you though? I, I am, but you know, hey. me, the kids, the dog, their stuff, all of a sudden. That's what and, the roof rack's for. Yeah, that's true. They've got the dog with the roof rack. Um, well, so speaking no, of I think, small, was, I think you met you, you in the roof rack. Me. If you want to talk about cars, I'm driving the CX-30, although that's supposed to be for next week, but I don't know what our schedule is. But, um, you know, well, this so Mazda is very confusing with its lineup because 
the CX30 is there, the CX5 is there. We passed a CX3, three. Mm -hmm. two, three, the other day. The CX30 three. is probably going to consume the CX3. Yeah, the, the, C, the CX3, you know, is near the end of its life cycle. Right. And my guess is that, you know, when, you know in, a, in a year or so, it's going to disappear from the U.S. market. The next generation, I don't think they're going to bring to the U.S. because it's too small. Right. You know, well, and, and then, the CX30 is really nice. It's a really yeah. nice size. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's I, a good vehicle. At, at LA, um, I had to sit down with our head of program product planning uh, and we, we talked about it. And, you know, while they didn't say outright that, you know, the CX-30 is going to go away or the CX-3 is going to go away, it definitely said, you know, it's, it's going to stay at least through, this, through its current model cycle. And then beyond that, they're not committing to anything. So I, I think, you know, and the, the CX-3 has never really done that well in North America. It's done so a lot better in Europe. why don't they just kill it now? I don't get why they don't just kill it now then. Like, why uh, have both of them in the showroom? You know, because I think that I think that that time when it goes away is fair. It's not that long. It, like it's within the next twelve months. Um, Some cost fallacy. Good money after bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. All right. What else? What else did we want to talk about? We had a list. We had a small list of stuff. I know. We've only got a few minutes though. Let's keep it. Keep it rolling. This is awesome, guys. It's fantastic talking to you guys. It's really cool and getting to see you. Zoom is awesome. You actually get to see people when you're talking, right? We, so, and we don't and, normally and we get do to the see each other too. Yeah. Which we I know. Don't exactly. do. We don't normally do it with video, so it's nice background. I, I, I did put makeup on as promised. <laughs> Me too. A little mascara. <laughs> or threatened on Twitter. <laughs> um, well, we'll have. We, we, we actually were planning to do uh, a live event uh, here in Ann Arbor um, yes. in, in March because um, Rebecca was coming into town for a conference that I was also speaking at uh, and we were going to have Dan come in, you know, and then, you know, we just weren't able to get it all together, especially with, you know, and then with what's going on, the conference got canceled anyway. Um, so, you know, we're going to, we're definitely going to try and do that, you know, once things settle down and, get back to some semblance of normality and we can, we're allowed to leave the house again. But, um, you know, I think, I think we'll definitely have to try continuing to do these from time to time, you know, maybe every few weeks, uh, do these, do these live things on zoom. You guys are welcome to join me anytime. Uh, it's, uh, to, it's, uh, in Southern California, we can on the yeah. zoom, on zoom <laughs> from Southern California on zoom, right? Oh, uh, on zoom. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. Ravi, why don't you post on Twitter, um, and then we'll I tag will. the site. We'll tag everybody, and I will. Uh, I will do that offline. Uh, yeah, because yeah. that would be really interesting. I'd love to. I'd love to join you. We get we get people. We get about eighteen people regularly, and uh, I just PowerPoint it out and uh, talk about something. So you're welcome. Everybody's welcome. It's an open thing. I just like talking cars and discussing the industry. It's an industry I love, and. I think a lot of people are pretty capable people there. So, most of uh, the dinners that Ravi and I have shared go for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of crafts. Lots of good economic trends. Lots of stuff Rebecca. to talk about. <laughs> Rebecca from Rebecca, absolutely love that. That's yeah. awesome. Hi, Adam. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, did you have any questions before we wrap up? So I um I work for a food service manufacturer. And um, we all have company cars across the country. And what's interesting that's happened, you know, they're fleet vehicles. I have a RAV4. Um, what's happened is that all of our 
normal orders where I was supposed to get a new car in July, everything has been canceled or put on hold. So they're kind of extending our fleet vehicles that we've had and we've got, you know, everyone's got different amounts of miles on at least another year. And I'm curious if that happens across the board, you know, how that's going to impact a lot of deal, not so much dealers, but the manufacturers in the long term, or at least for a year on those, you know, sales that normally are guaranteed. Um, yeah. So I think that um, it's, it's definitely, you know, all of this is definitely going to have a big impact on the manufacturers, on the industry. Um, you know, the, the revised forecast that my colleagues and I have put together, you know, we don't see a full recovery back to, you know, where the trend line that we were on until about 2023 or 2024. You know, this is going to be like a three or four year recovery period to get back to where we were. Um, and, you know, issues like, you know, what you're experiencing, um, you know, are part of that, you know, and there, there's a lot of factors that are playing into this, you know, I think, you know, obviously the overall economic conditions, you know, a lot of unemployment is going to be a big factor that uh, keeps people from buying cars, but also, um, you know, things like, you know, if we have some non-negligible portion of the current workforce that's working from home, transitioning to working from home permanently, um, you know, if, you know, if 10, 15, 20% of the people who are working remotely today, if, if it, if they end up doing that on a permanent basis, then that's going to have a, an impact on their need to buy new vehicles. You know, if their vehicles aren't going to wear out as fast, you know, if they're not commuting, um, you know, or commuting less, if maybe they're working from home two or three days, two or three days a week, um, you know, then there won't be as much need to buy new cars and all, all kinds of things are going to factor into why this is going to be a long, slow recovery. We're not, it's not going to be a V-shaped recovery and we're not going to see it just snap back to where it was, you know, in September. Do we, won't there be some pent up demand? I mean, come, you know, with leases and I mean, I'm not saying that's going to draw the industry on for the next two years, but come September or October or something, we have the pent Yeah, but if, but if we have 20% unemployment. Leases and stuff like that and sitting, you know, people waiting to turn in leases to roll those over and without manufacturing being done right now. I mean, obviously there's no, there's nothing in the, in the stream coming in. But if we have 20% unemployment in September, oh, yeah. no, uh, then me, there isn't going to be any pent up demand. That'd be wonderful. I'm just saying there's going to be, there's going to be a little, you know, a snap, you know, a whip shot, you know, yeah. from, you know, for three, four months of no purchasing being done and, and leases sitting around, you know, expiring where they have no way to turn in your lease and roll it over into something new. You know, it's going to be a like, whipsaw or bantle, whatever they call it, reaction. Yeah, at least initially I, I, for a month or two. I think you're going to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of every outcome, every possible yeah. outcome. I think there's there is going to be some demand. Um, it's probably not going to be uh, really a very strong market, like Sam says, for for a few years. Sure. Um, do we want it to come back to that many cars, that uh, many millions of cars per year? I think uh, automakers at this point are, are looking at really downsizing their their five year plans to say this stuff has to work at much, much smaller overall volume for us to survive. I would expect that we still may see some brand consolidation and some, some companies just leave the U S market. Uh, you know, Suzuki did it a while ago where they just couldn't really make a go of it here. I, I, I would be shocked 
if Mitsubishi is still here <laughs> in a couple of years, even though they have, you know, they got, they've got big parents. Months. I'm going to go for months. The cockroach of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, don't say that. Yeah. I want Mitsubishi to stay around just for at least I, a couple more years. <laughs> I, I like their, they're plucky. I like them. But. I, and I love the people there, but I mean, it's brutal. It's, it's, gotta just, be it's, it's just going to be really hard. And, and, you know, the used car market's going to be really interesting too, especially if there's anything done, like there's talk about right cash for clunkers right now, which is a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's, that's where the sales are going to be is all those lease returns, all the used cars. If people need a car, they're going to trade their, their current car, which is 12 years old, you know, so it gets to be 15. They may trade it for something that's five. Uh, if you're crushing all the five-year-old cars, you're going to really drive up the prices. Uh, anything um, that they do to sort of juice demand now is going to drive down price. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a mess. Well, well, yeah, that's the other thing. Market, in the regular market, car- you got like two and a half percent interest. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, what are they going to give up? And fuel is, you know, a dollar a gallon in some places. So yep. for now, I mean, what are you going to incentivize <laughs> and- it with? And used car auction prices have been in the tank for the last several weeks. You know, so, well, I mean, part of that is because dealers don't want to take on any inventory that they can't sell anyway, you know, but you know, there's, there's, there's lots of used cars out there too. Yeah. Well, and, and dealers are buying uh, inventory on credit. So why, why would you get overextended on credit? Um, uh, Especially if it's like floor plan credit where you pay interest until it sits around long enough. If you know you're not going to sell many cars for six months, you know you're going to start paying principal. You're, you're going to stop. That that would be a good dealer decision. Yeah. Well, they are. I mean, some of the manufacturers are offering discounts on floor plan. Yeah, so, that's where they, they have that that like the they butt heads, but they also have, they need each other too. Right? right. Exactly. Yeah. So they are, especially through their private their um, finance companies. You know, they are offering that. So there's a lot of uncertainty. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fascinating. You know, one thing I noticed while I was out was all of the um, trees that have been cleared by the side of the road, the construction projects that continue. uh, Now would be a really, really great time to bang the drum for transit and, and say, you know, we don't necessarily want to go back to uh, here in Boston, the worst traffic in the nation. Uh, The skies are nice and clear. (laughs) except that in the wake of a pandemic there's probably going to be a bunch of people that don't want to ride transit either yeah exactly (laughs) i don't want to get on that germ germy thing (laughs) yeah i can i can understand that um and you know maybe the the work from home thing shifts some of the people out of the off the roads i think that's a more viable possibility Mm -hmm. i don't know well now's the time to be working on highways there's nobody on yeah 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 exactly yeah uh, and that's what I saw. I did see uh, there's they're still um, making progress on that. And, and I, I wonder if it's it's got to be a lot easier to, to make that stuff happen now, make more progress because the traffic volume is so low. You can just you can get the job closer to finished more. Quickly. Absolutely. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for our first uh, wheel bearings live. Yes. Uh, this has been fun and we'll definitely do it again soon. Thank you for having us and thanks for the invite. Looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, Thank you so much time. for joining us, everybody. Mm-hmm. Stay Bye safe guys. out there. Bye. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.